Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Ray, and welcome to the RayWenderlich.com podcast. In this podcast, we'll keep you up to date with the latest app development tech talk. Now, here are your hosts, Drew Freeman and Susanna Skyer-Gupta. Thanks, Ray. This is the RayWenderlich.com podcast. Welcome to episode 12 for season 12. This episode was recorded on Tuesday, the 12th of April, 2022. This episode is for release on the 20th of April, 2022. I am Susanna Skyragupta with our show host, Drew Freeman. Thanks, Suze. This episode is sponsored by Perseverance, whether that's continuing to produce a podcast just because you love it in the community, or continuing to develop a personal app even when it's super hard to find the time for a passion project. We also continue to stand in awe, and we stand in awe of and with the people of Ukraine. And you can continue to find hashtag StandWithUkraine resources in the show notes. Today's episode, the last normal episode of this season, is where we at last get to turn the microphone toward our intrepid podcast host, Drew. We'll be learning all about what he's been learning in his side gig as an indie iOS dev. But first, let me tell you a bit more about him. In addition to being a six-season host of this podcast, Drew is a full-time professional iOS developer of over 35 years. Starting on the Apple platform and working through the Macintosh and the iPhone, Drew has been a dedicated Apple third-party developer. Drew, welcome to the show. Oh, those are just so frightening words when it when it's said to you. <laughs> it's I don't know how normal this episode is going to be, but let's see where it takes us. I am super looking forward to this episode. Um, you know, I started this whole gig because I thought you were fun to chat with. And I love chatting about apps and talking to indie developers and what brought them to indie development. So I think maybe before we even talk about the current app, which we're going to do lots of, and we're definitely going to use this as a platform so everybody can download that app and will be prominently <laughs> placed in the show notes. Um, tell me about indie development and how you got started on what else, because this is not the app that we're talking about primarily today is not the only thing you have currently in the app store. So tell me about your experience as an indie. It's interesting because there are so many indies out there who would not consider me an indie developer. Um, I have worked for company after company, churning out apps for them, and never tried to make this until now, hopefully, something that would support me. Okay. Interesting. You're leaping ahead to another big question. Okay. So that's very exciting. So God willing the current app will become a sustaining, like, pays the mortgage kind of thing. Yeah, that's that's the general plan. That's, that's why there's been so much more effort put into a business facade around this. I don't really call it a facade, a business um, lattice as well. You know, it's it's not just a question of I want to to eke out thirty five cents a month out of the app store. I I actually right. have other plans to have it generate more income. Well, that's definitely really exciting. So tell me about though. So I see I see three apps total in the app store for you. So there's also in addition to Pagan Almanac, which is the one we're really going to be exploring in detail. Um, in this episode, 
which has a, just a beautiful icon. Just the, the icon itself is compelling. But there's also another app that I think is in a similar space. I don't know because I'm not well familiar with the space called The Laws for All. Mm-hmm. And then there's also an, a utility called Floating Dates. Tell me about those. The original app, Laws for All, was for a very limited audience that had a very select amount of philosophical and, for lack of a better term, occult reading area that they would follow. And originally, I wrote this because I wanted to have an app that would fulfill a a specific need of mine. My my wife and I always argue over the time of birth of our son. Okay. Because we want to have the perfect astrological chart for him. Right. And 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 I argue that it was one time and she argues it's another. And I was like, I'm closer to the clock. You were a little busy. <laughs> so, you, so you're literally splitting by minutes or minutes and seconds, but it's relevant on the chart. Okay. Seconds. Sec- there's one second difference. Okay. Um, but... It came down to the fact that all I really wanted to do is to press a button on my watch, have it capture the time, and then go make a, a an astrological chart. Okay. So what I really wanted to do was just have a, a way to trigger something on my watch. And that was sort of the birth of this thing. But it began to evolve. And this was back in 2015. And, and I think the interesting thing was that I was writing this for myself. I wasn't writing it for anybody else. It wasn't an, <laughs> an indie app. Um, I figured, you know, if, you know, maybe if I put a couple of other things in there that I used in my general practices, that it would be good for others you know, who, who were on the same path. But I didn't know, and I really didn't care. And that seems rather selfish at the time. But... I started building this thing and it pretty much grew organically one out of the need to make this little watch app, which full disclosure, that feature never got finished. <laughs> and secondarily, I was a little behind on the Swift train. Okay. So I figured so is- I'm going to do this app entirely in Swift. Okay, so there's no objective C in the laws for all. Um, I'm pretty sure there isn't. There is some C because there was a library that I had to actually obtain and build myself for uh, for the Apple platform. It was not available for the Apple platform. It was available for Windows. And it was available for a few other platforms, and I actually took this monolithic C library and converted it, um, which is in, it's a, it's a meaty one too, because it's the, uh, the jet propulsion libraries full ephemeris of the planets that's used by NASA or other wow. agencies to project where are planets in the sky at what time. So does this app like do charts? <laughs> Um, it does not do charts, and I can explain why it doesn't do charts, but it does do projections of where the sun, the moon, and the planets are. Okay. In live time, because it's doing those computations on the device. Okay. That sounds intense. Yeah, I mean, I can tell you exactly where the sun or the moon is in the sky, because it's going and looking on the chart, and it's doing it, and I actually do a graphic 
which illustrates the, 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 the 12 signs of the Zodiac and where the planets would be drawn at that specific moment. And the, the iPhone is great because it has enough computational power that, you know, I'm not really throwing around uh, DNA here. I'm just throwing around nine planets. Count them. Nine planets. Yes, I am one of those people. Um, but the reason that it doesn't do full charts is to get a chart, I need to know when and where somebody was born. And right. I don't want to capture personal information at this time. Oh, okay. I see. I see right away. I, and I'm just to, to clarify, this, this time I, we're... We're talking about the laws for all, or are we laws already for all okay. at this point? Okay. You know, one of the features that laws for all has is that it also tells you when sun up and sundown are, and that's a feature I'd like to bring across to uh, to uh, pagan almanac. But one of the, yeah. the things about laws for all, and it's not the first app that got released. Um, one of the things I was doing is I was putting together a calendar which had those dates that float. Um, like Easter and mm -hmm. Ramadan and Passover, those dates float. And I basically was trying to put together an algorithm and a series of things to make that work in laws for all. And I got to this point where I realized I've done a mock-up proof of concept to understand these floating dates and it basically is publishable. Okay, and so that's where the other app came out of it. So floating dates was really just a proof of concept to make floating dates work inside my application. Oh, good for you, though, for releasing it. Yeah, but they, so, so when I always tell people, it's like, well, this was my first big app. It's like it was my first big app, but my first app was floating dates, which is, um, unfortunately, it's hard-coded with a lot of years in it, so I may have to go back and check to see that it's still got all the information it needs to uh to show what it does it's it's really just a throwaway <laughs> app to show you here's the date of this holiday in year in the future year in the past year in the future year in the past laws for all was also very stylized a, in a very gothic style of black and red and to make it really dark and ominous looking it kind is that way it's interesting when you look on your developer page like the bright green labyrinth logo of pagan almanac to me looks and perhaps it's because i was a beta tester too so i've looked at it for a while so it's familiar to me but it looks inviting and then laws for all looks i don't know a little scary maybe i'm not sure what i'm looking at so. <laughs> like i said it was free, designed for a very limited audience um but one of the things that i discovered was that by making it completely dark, black, and red, I couldn't actually do things like night mode, day mode. Oh, I okay. Uh, my accessibility was a little limited because red on black isn't necessarily the clearest thing to read. I had thought about doing a Pagan Almanac version of the app, but really I, I never put a lot of mind into how I was going to do it until I started white labeling laws for all and oh, uh, interesting. To, to throw a term around white labeling is effectively when you make something as generic as possible so it doesn't have an audience or a a theme it just simply is the inner workings right and then um different companies can use that 
how it makes sense they for can them. go branded on their own right but as and also i want to just back up and underscore what you said before because it's a really important point which is when you're thinking about your icon and when you're thinking about the design of your your choice of colors within your app you've got to be thinking light mode dark mode and accessibility mm -hmm. all the time you've got to be thinking accessibility so read up on that first before you pick your colors. I, I really, I, I wasn't when I did Laws for All. Interestingly enough, I was reading up on <laughs> on uh, globalization and internationalization and parts of Laws for All. Actually, if you open it in French, it'll open in French. Um, oh, cool. Lots of Google Translate, so don't, don't hold us responsible for that. <laughs> um, but as I began to white label Laws for All... It began to sort of blossom and bloom into where I could see how I could make this a better fit for a wider audience. Okay, so this so it's very much a story that continues. So Laws for All is the start of the story, and and here we are much further down the path, seven years down the path, right? Mm -hmm. So tell us about what Pagan Almanac is and who's it for? Okay, I, I like to refer to it as a Swiss Army athame. And athame is a neo-pagan term for a ritual knife. Okay. Um, so by calling it the Swiss Army athame, I sort of... Uh, it's a tongue-in-cheek reference to, uh, to being your bladed weapon that you can use. And it's really meant to be... Yeah, one of the things that I discovered in looking at pagan applications... Um, is they fell into predominantly um, divination applications, which are, you know, what's my daily fortune? What's my fortune number? What's a one-card tarot read? Tell me something about my life. Or maybe it would go so far as to do my, my astrological chart. But none of them actually taught a lot. And matter of fact, many of them, uh, if you read the uh, the blurbs on the apps, would say, this comes from my 30 years, my 40 years, my 50 years in the path of the masters that I have studied with. And I was like, I can say I've been in this thing for 30 years, but that doesn't help you. Mm, interesting. It just presents you an app and, and it supposedly gives me street cred. And I figured the most important street cred would be if I built an app. You should be able to learn from this app. So I decided I was going to put all of my reference materials into the app. As programmers, we're often told, you know, if we use a third-party library, we should credit that third-party library. Absolutely. And as a programmer, I've always been ashamed at how many programmers don't credit their third-party libraries. Right. And I'm pretty sure that if you are somebody out there not doing that, that you're violating the license agreement of that library. Yeah. Somewhere I would love to see the Facebook app third-party library list. Mm. Just just for my thing. So, uh, you know, when I did Laws for All, I did uh, a third-party library list, and I was like, well, why stop there? Why not put all of my references? So I put every book that I studied. And as I did different things for these apps, you know, if I was studying the I Ching, I went out and I bought books on the I Ching. If I was studying... Uh, tarot. I bought books on the tarot. And let me tell you, the last book you'll ever need on astrology was one of seven books on astrology. So with all due respect to that book, it just was not the last book I ever needed. This is actually really pleasing. 
looking in the references section, first of all, I just love references and reading, you know, like in any book, I love reading the bibliography. Like it's just so pleasing to me. And I've also got to call out the very subtle pale green highlighting behind references when I tap it. Ooh, I love that too. So, so this is a wonderful thing that you have this in the app. Mm -hmm. So I'd like to step back and define terms a little bit because, um, because I don't come from an understanding of what pagan is, what that means. And then when you were explaining how um, you notice that many of the other apps in the app store that mm -hmm. presumably come up when you search pagan are divination apps. So tell me what pagan means and tell, tell me also what divination means. Okay, so paganism is, at, at its coarsest definition, pagan is a non-traditional religious path. But neo-paganism has come to represent a return to a lot of the Celtic, Norse, and other Earth-based religions that at that time predated Christianity and Catholicism uh, or predated, you know, Judeo-Christian followings. Um, though it's interesting, if you take a look at a lot of the Jewish uh, holidays, they fall in line with nature and the the wheel of the year right so paganism is right, the absolutely. growing the, the the growing following of this you know i i, I have to use the term neo-paganism because it is really not that that old i mean there there are generations of authors who've been doing stuff along these lines and writing stuff but it's relatively fresh um, but that doesn't mean it's any less respectable, especially for the people who are who are taking that on as a practice. Pagan versus Wiccan. What's the difference? You know, that's a question I would love to answer. But by answering it, I would get myself into possibly a holy war as <laughs> that definition is very, very amorphous. And I think on some levels, very personal. Um, I could be completely wrong on that statement there as well, but uh, Wicca tends to be um, a branch of paganism. Okay. I knew that, to ask only because when you search in the app store, you get some Wicca, Wiccan results coming up too. Mm -hmm. So Yeah. Now, the other word you asked me about was divination. And divination yes. is a practice. Now, I basically say that my audience for this app are pagans, Wiccans, and witches. And okay. yes, there are people who very gladly embrace the term witch nowadays. Um, but um, what divination is, is a practice of effectively trying to predict or tell a story from symbols. Okay. Um, tarot so, is the most popular. Like... Where you will deal out cards and tell a story, and maybe that story will attune with the person who is asking the question. Okay. I never thought of that. I didn't really realize that was something related to paganism, but as you start to explain things, mm -hmm. it makes sense. Because just doing that must go back to this earlier time. Mm -hmm. 
you know, these earlier practices? Well, the tarot cards themselves go back fairly far. Well, depending on what iteration of cards you're, you're, you're going through. How'd you come up with the app idea in the first place? It was from doing the other app? Like, so I tell have, me about your your process, and I'm going to want to really get into the nitty gritty of market research on this too. Okay, so I was doing laws for all for a very limited audience, and I came to the conclusion that there was no way I could really grow that app or make it something that would continue to organically grow. It would just be out there and not really gain a lot more material. And one of the things that I don't like on the App Store are apps that have been out there for five or seven years and have not changed in three or four. Yeah, I agree. I, I like I to see some sense of growth. Um, I, I like to see some sense of I want to stay committed to this app. I, I, I like it. it. It adds new features. And in fact, Apple tells us they will kick us out if we don't updated over a lengthy period of time. But that seems to vary according, like even among small slash indie devs, it seems to vary whether they really do kick you out when they say they're going to. I I know not of the ways of Apple. I simply... Yes. <laughs> that would be handy to have divination related to that. We'll get to that as well. As I began to work on pagan almanac, I realized that I had something that could not merely educate and help pagans who were trying to learn or have reference material. I realized it was something that I could continually contribute to and grow. For example, one of the things that I have in there is a dictionary of crystals and minerals. Mm -hmm. And I currently have about 40 in there. If you go into any good Bible of minerals, you'll find out that there are 40,000 minerals. I have not even begun to scratch the diamond surface. So looking in, I have so many questions about terms. So looking in the grimoire, which is where I find this crystal dictionary, okay? So is everything under here an area that then will expand and expand and expand over time? Well, if you select one of the crystals at random, I, I don't know which one you're going to pick. Please show it to the people at home. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So also, so, guys, you should get this out because it's so pretty and there's so much in it. So I picked amethyst because that's my birthstone. Okay. And you'll notice that one of the things it says in there is whether or not it amplifies or absorbs energy which is relevant yeah. to somebody who is working with meditating or if they say they're having problems with something. Um, what what else does it say under amethyst? Um, it says it's color, which is violet to deep purple. And then it says it it's chakras, like that it's got a crown chakra and a third eye chakra and that it's used for intuition, balance, and a higher wisdom. Mm-hmm. So let's say you're trying to sharpen your intuitism, you know, your, your intuism. I can't speak today. You're trying to sharpen your, your, you're trying to sharpen your intuition. You can actually edit that if it absorbs energy or if it amplifies energy, you can actually scratch it out on the page and write in what you think. 
Oh, interesting. Because it's designed to give you a starting block, but if you find out that something doesn't resonate with you the same way, who am I to tell you that you're wrong? Okay. So what I wanted to do was make it so that at least initially with the with the crystals, that if you felt differently, you can actually edit the uh, the dictionary page. Yes, and I noticed that. You because... can change the chakras. You can change the uh, the energy. Um, and I'm still working on the changing the definitions. That's cool. And it, and it leaves what's there. It it basically puts green pencil mark through it and puts the puts your corrections in there. So, so this was a way. So that, you'll be able to go back and see, like, oh, this is definitely edited. Here's what the original material was. Exactly. You know, in case you, yeah, in case you change your mind about that. Okay, so here's another coming from outside the world of paganism. Uh, question on terms: What's a grimoire? A grimoire is really just a library of magical books. Okay. And there's two sets of magical books in there. There's the encyclopedia, which is all the gathered information you can reference. And then there's a couple of other books that are things like uh, rituals or instructions. And I hope to add to both of those. Yeah, there's a lot in here. What did you learn in in terms of... Looking at who your competitors are, how'd you do that? What'd you learn? How'd you change your app based on that? Well, it wasn't that I much changed my app. The more I looked into a lot of these apps, a lot of them were very much, I'm going to spoon spoon feed you magical information. And that was something that I found myself not wanting. Uh, I, I realize there's an audience for it. There are tons of apps specifically for that. But I wanted an app that was, at its core, educational. And it sounds like something that's really different about this app is it's more of a study companion. Mm -hmm. So in that you can change it and, you know, preserve what's being spoon-fed, okay? But then you can also digest and enter your own information alongside. One of the things that I did as far as the tarot is concerned, I could very easily have just said, here is a tarot interpretation of a card. This card means this. Not everybody might agree on that. So I went out and I found four different tarot interpreters from around the world to give different interpretations. And that way you can choose one that, again, resonates with you if you find something that you enjoy reading more or if it seems that whenever that card comes up that person's thing seems to make the most sense that can happen so let's step back here a little bit so people working in a different um interest stream but also right an app can also can use this can learn from this so how did you come across these competitors what did you do and then well, I made a spreadsheet because who wouldn't want to make a spreadsheet? Uh, of course. Uh, and I basically went looking through pagan apps at ones that had lots and lots of reviews. Right. I mean, okay. there are ones out there that have 12,000 reviews. And, wow. I, and, I, and I. Okay. I so that dream, shows you something about the market. Yes. I, I dream of being able to capture that many people. Um, yeah, that's a lot of people. capture people is not the right term either. I, I really want to share rather than capture. And, and I'll talk more about that later when we, we, we talk about how this thing is going to grow. 
I, I, I looked at the different apps and I sort of described, well, what do they do? Mm-hmm. And, you know, what ranking do they have? And I tried to figure out how do they make their own money or do they even bother? Because a right. lot of these apps, you have to figure not everyone is a pagan programmer. Now, I'll okay. admit... Right. A lot Who's more, writing the apps, right. Yeah, uh, I'll admit there are a lot more of us in programming that are pagan than, than you would probably shake a stick at. But... Not every one of those apps. Some of those apps had to basically be churned out by someone who said, here, let's make one of these apps and see if we can make money out of it. And right, I feel badly sure. about it because I'm not out to drain my audience. I'm not out to to do that. I, I'm out to grow a community. Yeah, I think that's a... Th- that's definitely a point that's worth making. Like, I don't think it's terrible to um, to make an app just to make money. I don't mm. think that's a terrible thing. But if you are not a member of a community to just see how you can profit off the community, yeah. that doesn't feel good. Well, I mean, you know, monetizing somebody else's culture is is unfortunately something that's out there and and it it's difficult and I wish it wasn't happening. Yeah, but it sounds like in the world of paganism there's cultural appropriation just like there is mm-hmm. everywhere, right? So Okay, so you looked for the highest rated like most number of ratings mm-hmm. apps in the store. I looked for and a couple that had of, I looked for a couple that had very little rating as well. Yeah, okay, because that's that's worth learning from too. And then you made your spreadsheet and you downloaded them and you played with them. Mm -hmm. And perhaps you looked at their reviews and saw what people were, if you had like, that's really, I know from my experience working in app marketing, that's so valuable if you can look at what people are and aren't saying in your competition's reviews, like things they wish your competition had. That's cool. I wish I could... I wish I could believe all the reviews that I read, but I've been in too many large-scale companies that have talked about review farms. Yes, and, yes, that is definitely and a thing. I actually left, I, I left one company because when they mentioned that they were going to go through a review farm, I basically said, I cannot in good conscience work on this app anymore. Right. Um, uh, predominantly because it's it's gaming the system, it's breaking the policies, and I don't need that to follow me. Yeah, yeah. And for those who don't understand what review farms are, there are actually companies out there that you spend money on and they will put reviews from different IP addresses down on an app. And sometimes they'll leave bad reviews on competing apps. Right, right. I think we see it, we think of it maybe more in context of like, Amazon and online shopping, but yeah, it's a thing with apps also. Okay. So you got the idea. You did your market research. Who did you talk to about it? And are you like, is Pagan Almanac just you or are there backers? Um, I always love to talk about Pagan Almanac in a we because 
It could just be that I'm psychotic and there are multiple voices in my head. <laughs> but but we have been the programmer <laughs> for the past seven years, and and it's really been my brainchild. But I mean, my my spouse is pagan. My I, I'm blessed that, that my in laws are also pagan. Um, oh wow. So that whole concept of, well, how do you come out to your in-laws? It's like, eh, they, they, they're there. Um, so I was able to get some advice from them. I know many people in the community. I was able to get advice there as well. Um, the hardest part is that I'm an iPhone developer, not an Android developer. And most of the mm -hmm. people that I know are Android owners. So I would have to basically oh, interesting. show them... The work I was doing on my phone, and many of them have said, "Hey, as soon as dot dot dot." But um, I got a lot of good feedback. I I ran a fairly long beta test um, with people from the community and got a lot of really good feedback. So, but um, how did you it do really, that? Talk really about the mechanics of of actually running the beta test. Well, the beta test, I... When did you decide to put your app in beta? Like, how would you know? And then what did you actually do? Uh, amusingly, I, I kept saying that I was going to release the app in, at Beltane, uh, which for some reason I'd gotten confused in my head with, uh, uh, with Ostara. And I'll, use, I'll explain those two terms. Beltane is, is the spring ritual of, of, of birth and rebirth and all of that. It's May 1st. But I had thought okay. that Ostara or Easter is the spring equinox. I meant to release on the spring equinox. So I decided that if I'm going to release on the spring equinox, I have to work my calendar and my schedule appropriately. See, I played a game called Agile for One, meaning that I was my <laughs> business analyst, I was my product analyst, I was my programmer, I was my scrum, scrum master. master, and I, I I still sign things, you know, lordandre.com slash um, wearer of many hats. Um, but the whole idea was by doing Agile for one, I actually had sprints where I'd say these features will come out during this time period. And I want to be feature complete and code locked by this date. And that was useful to you at working as a solo developer to do it that way on your personal project. Like it helped you stay right, on track. Because, I mean, if you're the guy who's creating the features and the person programming it, you're never getting done. Because there's yeah. always one more feature. Oh, yeah. And I had to actually, you know, I drew the line in the sand or on my back. Yeah, on my uh, uh, on the, uh, the, the uh, on Jira, and basically said, "Here, that's the stuff that we're not doing for the first release." Right. Good. Good. Okay. And so then you could see where the beta would be. Mm -hmm. Okay. And as a beta tester so, yourself of the app, you saw that there were certain features that weren't done early on and got added on. Right. And it was actually one of the things that I thought was really good about what you did in the beta test process is you were your communication as to what was there, what wasn't, and what to test was good. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I, I got wonderful bugs sent back. Um, I would say I actually alpha tested as well as beta tested because I was not even sure what all my features were when I started asking people to play with it. Right. And that was useful, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. The more feedback I got, the more I knew what to do with it. So put it, the whole minimum viable product get out there soon and, and let people start telling you what they really want from it and how they're really using it? I hate minimal viable product. I, I, I want my product to be more than just minimally viable. Fair enough. <laughs> Fair enough. Talk to me about testing beyond... You've, you've talked about the development scheduling, okay? Which is, it's wonderful to hear as somebody who loves scheduling um, that, you know, you use Jira and you had like the backlog and the sprints and, you know, just like you would on a multi-person project. Um, Tell me about testing and to what extent was that like what you would do in a multi-person project and to what extent, maybe not so much. There are a couple of files that have unit tests. I wish there were more that had unit tests. I've seen my code coverage. My code coverage is good, but my unit tests are weak. A lot of this was challenging myself to do things. Mm-hmm. Challenging myself to learn Swift. Challenging myself to do uh, watch components. And I'm sorry, there are no watch components in Pagan Almanac. Yeah, I was um, just about to ask that. Is this To what no, extent is this available I, I, on watch? I, I haven't put anything there because I haven't figured out what I want to put on the watch yet. And we did okay, we so did the talk with the watch folks this year. And I, and I sat there after that episode going, what can I do? And I couldn't figure it out. So I wasn't like, I'm not going to just force something in there. Everything that I put in that app is in there for a reason. It, it, it solves a problem for me. Somewhere. I wonder if it would be fun to do just like, I don't know, a series of notifications or a series of like, like, I don't know, interesting thing of the day from the vast amount of reference material that is in that app that shows up on your watch. That's actually one of the last features that I put into the app was a, a news pull notification. It doesn't have have push notifications. It basically, uh, when the watch log, when the watch, when the app logs in, it goes over to the server and says, is there a new news story? And if so, it displays it. Yeah, I saw that actually when I opened it. And I haven't put a new news story up in a little while because I'm just waiting for the initial rush. And right now I'm in the midst of the business part of things as there's a whole lot more there. But, um, yeah, I do have that, that, that news blurb that I can put out. Yeah. And I was thinking maybe deep linking into like, you know, here's a crystal and here's how this works and here's how you might use it in your life. Although then that starts becoming way more than I imagine you'd want on your watch. I don't have any I deep don't linking know, yet. <laughs> I don't have a watch, but... Uh. Should I acquire one? I would want to test. (laughs) I would be interested to test your, the watch version of your app that I think we've just decided is coming in the future. So, so you had mentioned as we're talking the business side of things. mm -hmm. And I happen to know because we hang out with some frequency in the course of doing this podcast that you recently had 
a business plan put together. You put together a business plan. Talk more about this. What does the business side of things mean? What is a business plan for an app? And I knew that if I was going to go to anyone to invest in this app for any reason, I needed it to be more than this is my pet project. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can only go to your relatives so many times with pet projects without it actually seeming like you're actually doing something of value. And partially, I realized as I was building this thing, I need to have an Android port. And that's right. going to cost me money. So I said, I have got to look at this from a business point of view, and I have got to do it. And I went to the, the website Fiverr which is where I got okay. a person who did an elementary business uh, plan for me. It's also where I got two of my, uh, believe it or not, astrological tarot readers. Um, Fiverr's oh, a really good site. Matter of fact, when I had some code issues in the app, I went to Fiverr. But I also have been tracking the amount of money that has gone into Fiverr this year because that's money out of pocket specifically for this app. And that's where... All of a sudden, you're making very involved spreadsheets because you really have to know where is the money going and why is the money going? Where is all the rum? You know, it's it's essential. And once I did that, then the the next step was to go to uh, to legal zoom, which. Don't let anyone tell you you have to go to LegalZoom. I just did it because I didn't have the time to go through all the papers on my own. Uh, I spent a little extra money going to LegalZoom to have them actually turn me into an LLC. The only reason I'm an LLC is not that I'm trying to make this a corporate app, but so that I'm trying to basically say, I want to keep in a line all the ducks that have to do with the app. Okay. And I want to be able to put on my hat and say, I'm working on the app now. Interesting. And I want to be able to take that hat off and say, well, sink or swim, we're, we're going to just keep trying. We wish we had more time to fit in the entire interview. But if you want to see everything we said, you can watch the whole episode on YouTube in just a few weeks. You know, we always uh, make the host and the co-host sit on the fiery chair for the last episodes of the season per se um but of course we are now entering into con season or virtual con season both google io and wwdc have announced that they will have virtual conferences um though i think both have said that there is some form of specialized seating available which effectively for the keynote there's some you can listen to yeah, there's a in-person watch party in Cupertino. Yeah. yeah and do I we I think I we still the, don't know uh, how you get the ticket or yeah, how you get I, to be there. I, I never win the uh, the lotteries, so I was going to say it suggests that you and I are not going to be at that watch party, but <laughs> No, but we will be at a live cast. And what we do is the evening of the Google IO for keynote and the evening of the WWDC keynote, we will get uh, a series of Uh, experts from Android, a series of experts from iOS, and we will talk about all of the announcements that were made, whether or not they were uh, good, bad, indifferent. There have been years that we have sat there going, well, that was underwhelming, and then there have been years where everything has been dumped on us in a bucket, and we are just like, we have no idea where to look. (laughs) 
I was actually I was at WWDC 19 when they introduced Swift UI and Combine, and there's a reason that all the icons around the convention were animals with their heads blowing open. <laughs> yes, I'm very curious what's coming for us this year in that in um, in WWDC. So, and I'm looking forward to both of these. Both these. Well, Google I/O has usually got tons and tons of toys because it's not just Android. It's it's right. search and 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 Google and Chrome and and everything. So there's always a a toy for everybody there. But that's going to wrap things up for this episode, this season. Uh, if you want to find Susanna online on Twitter, you can find her at Gupta. That's S-U-Z-G-U-P-T-A. I am Podcast Drew. D-R-U, like it actually says down there. Um, we will be back on Wednesday, May 11th. Keep an eye on the Ray Wenderlich site, and we will probably try to have an audio drop to tell you what's going on as far as the live casts are going. But until then, we'll, we'll see you in a couple of weeks with the live casts. And until then, we head back to the Emerald Castle. Ray, back to you. And that's a wrap. Thanks again, everybody, for listening to the RayWenderlich.com podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. See you next time.